You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. Content marketing has been an essential part of B2B marketing for some time. And if we're being honest, content marketing was part of the B2B playbook before it was even called content marketing. The goal of the best content marketing programs is to attract people with content that helps them address their challenges or improve their craft, not just promote a product or service. But once you grow a following, what happens next? Uh, If an organization, if a business went heavy into content marketing and is seeing the value of how that content is drawing people toward them, the the step to building an online community is is very short step. It's a very easy step because you're already drawing your community toward you with content. That's Dana Frecker Duty from Juno, an online community platform that helps transform the fans of your content into an actual community. In this episode of B2B Nation, we're talking about brand communities, content marketing, and inducting Dana into our journalist turned marketer club. Have a listen. Dana Frecker Duty, welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you take a minute and tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'm excited to be here. I'm Dana. And what I do, my number one job is a mom, right? That always has to take precedence. But my professional job right now and what I do is I'm the vice president of marketing and communications for Juno. It's a startup technology company that I joined just a year ago today as we have this interview, Mike. It's been an exciting journey for me. I was in events for over 20 years and coming into this technology company that does serve events, but also looks to do a few more things beyond that has been really exciting for me. Happy work anniversary! Thank you. (laughs) So I spent some time reviewing not stalking all of our guests on LinkedIn before we talk. And I can't help but notice that you are another B2B marketer with a background in journalism. Uh, I'm part of that club. A lot of former former journalists and media people have made their way into marketing. So can you just take a second and tell us about your career journey? Sure. They used to call us sellouts, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) They did. They did. As someone who went from like editorial to like paid content creation. Yes, I was called a sellout. Yes, uh, exactly. Pretty regularly. And why do you sell out? Because it's worth it's worth the dollars, right? <laughs> it is. Well, you know what? You're a mom. I'm a dad. There is a exactly. <laughs> altruism only gets you so far. Exactly. I copy editing is my first love, though. That's the function that I served in the journalism world. And so it's been interesting working with people now in the corporate world for you know 20 plus years, but I'm still making sure that everything's grammatically correct and we're follow I actually follow follow AP style so there's that element of myself but it's an, it's an important part of my career journey because I started working when I graduated from college at a community newspaper group okay so in the mid 90s I was having people call me upset because their club news didn't get in the paper the next morning, right? <laughs> been there. Been yes. There. And I had that late shift on Friday nights. I'm in Texas. Friday night lights is a thing. We would hold the paper for the sports reporters to come back and I would have everything ready to go. And they would come back, write their story. I'd edit them, push them into design and layout. And, you know, the printer at that point is knocking on the door, ready to go. But that 
served that community. That was such a vital function for that town, for that small city that we were working in, and it mattered. And the reason why that's been such a profound impact on my career is because when I switched into trade shows and events, I always had that community essence in me, right? I had that experience. I knew that it mattered to people, that they had a voice, that they were heard, they wanted to participate, they wanted to be seen. And that's something that has served me well throughout my career. I remember um, editing reports of youth soccer games submitted by the parents and like oh. only one kid was mentioned and like <laughs> often the last name matched the person yes. who wrote it right and it's like i'm not a huge soccer fan but i know there's more than one kid on the field at the same time <laughs> i just um yeah it's it's yes there was some of that and the other piece though that journalism really is boosted in my career is just seeing how news output, just getting it out there. I think I was a little bit more comfortable in the podcast. You have a podcast, Mike, right? Like you're broadcasting. Um, I think that media people have a little bit of a leg up when it comes to creating content because you understand what the audience wants and you're constantly thinking about what your listeners want to hear on this podcast when you, you know, feed these questions to me. So, yeah, I feel like there's an awareness. The people who have a journalism media background it's hard to explain, but like an awareness that there's somebody on the other end. And yes. I feel like sometimes people who come out of like a business background, you write something and you put it out there and you're like, okay, but think about the person who's going to consume this regardless of the format it's in. And I think because like you said, like day one in journalism, there's like a feedback loop. You put something out there. If somebody likes it, doesn't <laughs> like it, you know about it real quick. Right. <laughs> That's that's interesting. I never really thought about it in terms of a feedback loop, but that's exactly you're right. That's exactly what it was. It's getting the feedback from the soccer mom, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about community and community building online events. I think. Well, OK, let's start with offline events. We're certainly kind of their own communities, right? Everybody mm -hmm. kind of went to the same maybe two or three trade shows, conferences every year. and then they disappear, which throws everybody into the online community bucket. Look, building an online community is, it takes time, which is something that a lot of businesses don't value that, you know, there's right. an investment to put in. It takes effort. What do you see and what does your company see as the best way to grow and keep a community online? Yeah. So from a Juno perspective, we really see the value in the community having one online space to perform a lot of different functions or, or achieve things they need to achieve. That's why the software was built to include training courses, learning opportunities, networking opportunities, you know, who's discussion forums, who's solved, I'm out in the field, I'm dealing with a certain kind of soil, I'm popping open my phone, who's dealt with this kind of soil before, and drilling, right? That kind of community connection that's very professional based and is solving business problems. So as it goes to community building, one from the organizer, it takes commitment. Like all the words you said, right? Effort, <laughs> energy, it's really having that commitment. And for organizations that actually, I think one of the precursors to it, Mike, is content marketing. 
So you work for a company that supports content marketing efforts. If if an organization, if a business went heavy into content marketing and is seeing the value of how that content is drawing people toward them, the the step to building an online community is is very short step. It's a very easy step because you're already drawing your community toward you with content. You as an organizer, whether it be for an association, we work with a lot of associations, uh, professional associations, and also companies though, if you see the value and you have been able to track that growth back to the ability of your content to pull in people, to pull attention, to drive demand and create those leads, the, the step to an online community platform is, is pretty short. And a lot of companies were building communities before they realized that they were building a community and before they realized that their community might wanna connect online, right? It started with that whole, oh, we have to have raving fans and who are your ambassadors, right? So that's the corporate angle. Um, For an association, they knew they had a community together because they had people who were applying to be the next board, you know, the next board treasurer, the board secretary. and And you're right, the people who had events they started seeing the value. That's how I made the the leap. I sold out to become (laughs) a, a, my, my title was e-editor, right? At at a trade show. I remember remember those days when e E went before every job title. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But it was, I mean, that was 2001 and I was hired to create content for a trade show company because they understood that the attendees and the exhibitors came together at their show to perform buying and selling. But in between all of those in-person events, there was a lot of opportunity to keep everybody connected, not just to the organizer slash community owner or builder, but to each other. And that's where the real magic is when a company or an organizer realizes that their role is to connect the people to each other, not necessarily to their brand. And you get that community built online and, you know, you probably invested in some softwares to help them communicate. You probably invested in a community manager some, you know, in some sort of role to make sure everybody's talking and getting what they need and being appropriate. And then sooner or later in a for-profit setting, anyway, somebody's going to come along and be like, so what are we getting out of this community? Yes. <laughs> That's a little tricky because (laughs) that that first step into like monetization, if it's not done well, there goes your community. Yeah. And there has to be that step. I've I've been reading a little bit about this is, you know, um, revenue intelligence. Where is your revenue coming from? How many touches is it taking? What does their funnel look like now? Right. So if you're in a in a company and there's not a lot of innovative thinking going on, and they're just expecting the leads to fall through in a traditional funnel, then an online community, maybe it's not for you, right? But there have been a lot of examples of communities in B2C environments, especially Red Bull, Lulu, Le Mans. Those are two examples of, of the tech companies do a great job. They you know, open up channels, Apple communities, GitHub, right? They're pulling their people together online. And when I say their people, I mean the people who are using their products, right? And what I believe and what Juno believes is that in a B2B environment, that's also going to be a valuable thing. 
And I would say, Mike, is you have a community right now, right? You're creating content for your community. It lives online in the form of your podcasts and more. But how can I connect with one of the speakers who was on your podcast previously? Is that a one-to-one connection? Or is there an opportunity for a discussion forum to happen after people have listened to the podcast? And then that knits me tighter to your company and then also people who have the same interests as I do. Yeah. I was explaining this to somebody lately, uh, recently, because a lot of companies in their sales process, it's like you're constantly prospecting and you're constantly going back to people almost as if you didn't, you haven't talked to them before, right? Because they have a lot of options. They have a lot of places to hang out. But if you could pull off community correctly, the analogy I use is like, if my kids are in the backyard, it doesn't take me a lot of effort to find them, right? right. But if they're right. if they're friends around the corner, I either got to walk or send a text and be like, hey, can you send the kids home for dinner, right? Yes. And it's like, so you, you mentioned like how many touches does it take for you to, to get revenue? If they're hanging out with you, it's a lot fewer touches, <laughs> Absolutely. And if you're the house where the neighbor kids hang out, when you come home with the groceries, you have twice as many hands to carry in the bags, right? (laughs) All of a sudden, oh, look at all these people are here to help me achieve what I need to achieve. I'm digging this analogy. It's right up the right up the parenthood theme here. What do you think is the most important skill to have in marketing today? I've been asking this question of people because we've got our Demand Fest event coming up in April, and we've got a discussion about the different roles and how, that have developed. We talked about content marketing. You've obviously got the data and analytics folks. You've got the demand gen folks. And trying to build like a cohesive team around all these roles that's kind of pointed in one direction. Um, so I get a lot of different answers to this question and it leads to some interesting discussions. So what do you think is the most important skill to have in marketing today? I think the number one skill needed is curiosity. That's a good one. (laughs) I think, I think that that can be, I think it's, you know, natural in a lot of people. I do think it's a skill that can be developed. And to the, the point you just raised, Mike, is if I am in marketing and I'm sitting in content marketing, but I'm curious about data analytics and I'm open and vulnerable enough to make the human connection <laughs> with the lady who's overseeing the data analytics for my campaigns, then I can go and ask questions and I can learn more. And then if there's curiosity in that seat, they're asking questions of each other that creates stronger connections for your team, right? You're curious about the people that you're working with and you get curious about the people who are consuming your marketing messages, right? There's a, that's a really big one that, that marketers need to get curious about. What's hitting, what's not hitting? Do you understand what your target audience is even interested in hearing from you? Do you understand what their pain points are and what motivates them? Um, But yeah, curiosity about people, about data. I mean, we could talk data till we're blue in the face, right? (laughs) Um, And about the tech tools that are coming online. Curiosity about digital transformation instead of this, nope, we don't need that. We've always done it this way. Just having that curiosity to say, huh, let's go down the road for a little bit here in this 
meeting at the very least, what could that do for us as an organization? And what yeah. we found, one of our, our big clients who uh, just signed on is a, uh, a scientific society. And I said, what strategically you're trying to achieve here, right? I want to write a case study about you. <laughs> he said, we, we want to try new things. I said, you have a board of directors and you're spending, you know, six digits. What, how did you sell that? He said, we believe in research and development. We're curious about how this could work for us. And we've done enough due diligence that we think that this is a way to go, or this is at least worthy of exploring because we'll at least get a little bit of ROI, even if we don't, you know, knock the socks off of the entire marketing program for our society. Right. So it's that kind of curiosity that I think has led to a lot of innovation for companies, for, you know, the professional organizations that we work with and even for, you know, our own company. You touched on sort of the flip side. The opposite of curiosity is, you know, one of the things that interests me that people are talking about in B2B marketing is the importance of, of change management and instituting change in an organization. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the opposite of curiosity. You said the, we've always done it this way. This way works, right? And then all the other people, when you purchase technology today, there's a waterfall effect that changes this person's job because everything's connected and tied together, right? And so you get a lot of, well, I don't want to change. Right. Your change is going to affect me. Right, right, right. right. Um, when I was at the Dallas Morning News, Mike, we were changing our... Um, the layout system, right? Like that we, we the oh. pagination system. Okay. Journalism people, um. if you didn't spend time <laughs> in journalism, they, a lot of them have a change management issue. Uh, <laughs> we had cynical, to read that book. We had to read that horrible book. They're Who cynical by nature. Yes, uh, exactly. So, yes. so yeah, so that's the context. I'm Go guilty of all these things. And that's why I call it a horrible book because who moved my cheese? I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you have never, you've never been even in possession of my cheese, right? My cheese is like my, in and of myself, right? And I'm, I, oh yeah, I lost my mind over that one. But um, you're right in that curiosity and being open and vulnerable. It's something that, you know, I've been blessed to work with this team that I'm working with right now. And we're all in that mode. Um, I've fought throughout my career against the status quo, you know, in 2009, I was helping clients of the the trade show company that I worked with broadcast from the trade show floor because they, I said, look, Mr. Association leader, you're missing all of these people who couldn't come to your event. I mean, maybe 20% of association members actually show up for the annual meeting. This is pre-pandemic right? So you have to build another audience online and reach them. And sure enough, what we've seen in the last two years is that's a thing. <laughs> that's yeah. an effective thing. If you figured thing. it out then, you were much better prepared now. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> right. Just like now, if you figure this out, because it's going to train you, train you down the road. That's been a hallmark of my career. I'm curious about what this you know, TikTok thing is. I got curious about what Twitter was. And even if it didn't work for me or didn't, that's not true. I love Twitter. But if it's not working for me or for my brand right now, it's training me for the next thing, right? So adopting that, I think I, that's why I do think that most important skill is 
curiosity about people, about data, about those tech tools. And when it comes to change management, Mike, all I want to say to your audience is if you struggle with change management, get yourself a job at a startup company. (laughs) There is um, all change and no management, right? It's just (laughs) you're in. (laughs) And I don't say that that's not a bad thing, right? right? But it's just, there's not time to manage everybody's feelings about it. Um, so it's just open communication all the time and just, you know, keep iterating. Yep. I've, I've had a, I don't mind change, but delegation, I think a lot of managers struggle with that at times, right? And mm-hmm. you know what helps you delegate? Manage a team who can do things that you can't. Yes. And then... <laughs> Yes. You learn to delegate really quick. <laughs> yes. And I am a big fan of hiring people like who are Swiss army knives, right? I, I've worked for, for brands that are doing a lot of, you know, guerrilla things and we're not hiring marketing agencies and ad agencies. Sorry for those of you listening who wanted to sell me something. Um, but those kinds of Swiss army knife people in marketing I think they're a huge boom. Yeah. Well, things change so quickly that your skill set, if it's kind of inflexible, right, mm-hmm. may not get you very far. Like you said, mm-hmm. if you're curious about the next thing, right. then you're kind of always in the right place as opposed to being left behind by all the change. And I think flexibility and in, in being that Swiss Army knife has come in really handy over the last couple of years because things have just been so unpredictable. Um, yeah. people have missed work when, you know, you get sick, somebody gets sick and you're out and who's going to pick up the slack. Right. Yeah. It's, um, that's interesting. You say too, about, you know, having hiring people who can do things that you can't do, but also having that one person on the team who can do what you do. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you can take some time off. Yes. 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 <laughs> you have to take care of yourself and the world needs yes, to keep please. spinning while you're doing it. <laughs> The question we ask just about everybody who appears here on B2B Nation, what is your favorite tool? As usual, the guardrails here, don't say your phone unless you're citing a specific app, but what's the thing that you just can't get through your day without? Also, no one else can have my phone, so that wouldn't be great advice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so going along this tech tool, I I, I could go two ways here, but based on our uh, discussion today, let's say the tool is the search bar. Ooh, right. That's and a new one. It's a, I'm going to say the search bar and whatever this question for almost two years. Person <laughs> to say that. Whatever it goes to curiosity, right? Whatever I'm trying to solve, somebody out there has probably written about it, right? Yep. Whatever I'm trying to solve in my CRM software, I'm Googling it, right? Because, or, you know, going to the search bar and, and pulling up the help center. So yeah, it goes to curiosity is just asking those questions, but that also goes to community because that's what, when you're in an online community, you can source answers to questions from people who have done it a little bit more uh, close, closer to you, right? A little bit more in your interest group or you have something else aligned or you've built some trust up because you've seen them, you know, interacting in some webinars that have been showing up on the online community or, or whatnot. That's and one also, of those things like 
I don't know if my kids are ever going to use a search bar. They're just starting to use computers now. And they ask Google. Let's ask Google. Let's yeah. ask Google. Yeah. Let's ask. The vo- on the voice, using their voice. Using their voice on the right. computer, using their voice on the speaker, whatever. Like, right. They don't understand. They will. They will. I'll explain it to them someday that you had to go to a little part <laughs> on the website and type in your question <laughs> to get the answer. And they're That's just like, funny. I don't even think they know where the speaker is. I think they think Google's the room. I just walk into the room and ask Google. And, <laughs> and, and we have such confidence that the answer will be delivered to us. Yeah, well, I got one who's obsessed with dinosaurs and he can stump Google <laughs> because oh. <laughs> <laughs> he can pull up the most random dinosaur found on the other side of the world <laughs> like last year and Google will be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um, yeah. So that's my tool is the search bar. Excellent. It's, um, I almost said improv. Because <laughs> I think that is a great untapped tool for for marketing people. That's a good point, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Dana Frecker Duty, thanks for appearing on B2B Nation. Thank you, Mike. Thanks to Dana Frecker Duty for joining us on this episode of B2B Nation. Thanks also to the technology advice crew, Sarah Sanders, Amy Dunn, KJ Pace, and Caroline Bashar. If you found this episode insightful or helpful, share it with a friend or colleague and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Mnemonics in the Guild composed our theme song, Catch you next time on B2B Nation.